all right? Um, I, the arrival of Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I started writing for this week, uh, it was the week of Thanksgiving. If you remember the beginning of that week, uh, it was sunny and 60 degrees outside. Yeah, it was sunny and 60 degrees. Nobody else misses that but me. Wow. Um, I, 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 gosh, I, I'm all myself on that one. Quite a bit different than what we're probably going to get later on this evening and, and into tomorrow. Um, we were two days prior to Thanksgiving, that time where people traditionally come together to celebrate. Some are absolutely, truly thankful for this day and that opportunity. Some do it out of obligation. Others just ignore the holiday completely. Many are very, very excited about the Black Friday sales. How many of you remember when Black Friday officially started? Like, it didn't used to exist. There was a time in my life where there was no such thing as Black Friday sales, right? Okay, so we remember that, and you remember some you know, when they originally started, they were one thing, and then they just kept getting earlier and earlier, and then you could go, like, right at midnight and stand in line for things, and then they gradually moved into Thursday evening, and then gradually now into Thursday afternoon, and then we added Cyber Monday, and then last Monday was something called Green Monday. I'd never even heard of that before. I don't know where that came from. That was new this year. Um, I got Black Friday emails and specials starting the first week of November, probably the end of October. Um, places were, In other words, it completely has lost all of its uniqueness and specialness, hasn't it? Just like everything consumer-related, eventually it runs its course and it just becomes white noise. Another day on the calendar. No big deal at all. But Thanksgiving, for all of us, hopefully it still ushers in the Christmas season. How many of you decorated right after Thanksgiving? Anybody besides us? Okay, yeah, we actually started right before Thanksgiving, um, on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and, and got it all done, really, for the most part, on, on Friday. How many of you have all of your Christmas shopping done already? Hey, somebody like jumped out of her seat. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> just timing. It was just timing. Anyway, yeah, well, good. We, we don't yet. Um, we still have a little work to do, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's a good thing. Um, I don't know about you, but do you remember Christmas as a child? How many of you remember Christmas as a child? Something like this. You'd wait for it. 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 It would finally get here, and then it was gone. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting again. Do you remember that? It doesn't seem to be that way anymore, does it, for you? At least not for me. It really does seem like just a few weeks ago that we were huddled in the basement of my sister and brother-in-law's house around a tiny little living Christmas tree that we'd bought at Kroger with pre I mean tiny, I mean it was this tall, um, with presents like stacked up around it and all over, I mean just this little teeny bean tree. It really does seem like it was yesterday. And I began to wonder and think, why does it seem like it was just yesterday that that happened? Why isn't there this gap? And I began to come up with what I think is probably a pretty realistic solution or explanation of why that is as a child. And I contend as an adult as well. When we anxiously are awaiting something exciting, it takes forever for it to happen, doesn't it? You wait and you wait and you wait, and for as a child, that was Christmas. It's the same 365 days. There's absolutely no difference in the calendar. But as a child at Christmas, you would wait and long for that day. It would come, and you were so excited, and it was gone as fast as it came. And the next thing you know, it's January, you're back to school, and you got forever until Christmas happens again. In the adult world, we don't have that same anxious feeling toward Christmas. It's just another thing that happens. But there are things in the adult world where that is the case. Think vacation. Adults, you've planned this vacation, right? You're excitedly awaiting this vacation, right? And you wait, 
and you it's never that day is never going to arrive it can't get here soon enough right and then when you're on vacation what happens it's gone and you're back home and you're back to work and it just that that same anxious feeling that same excitement for feeling still causes it to be forever even for us adults time will drag on as we wait but then once the moment is here it's gone in an instant our challenge throughout this series is to recapture some of that childlike wonder as it relates to Jesus. Through this series, our prayer is that as believers or as seekers, people just discovering who this Jesus is, that the Spirit of God can recapture that childlike wonder in our hearts as these events unfolded in Bethlehem and beyond. Because the impact of these events, they've had a tremendous impact on the entire world since they happened, and they continue to have an impact on each in every one of our lives. Over the past two weeks, we've considered this arrival of Christmas, the arrival of Israel's Messiah, the arrival of this coming King, the one that had been centuries in the coming, the hope that so many carried with them generation after generation, the hope that the scriptures would in fact come true, that the writings of the prophets like Isaiah and Micah and Jeremiah, a hope that seemed impossible to ever be realized as the world of the Israelites continued to crumble all around them. The hope that was realized in the lives of Simeon and Anna that we discussed last week, as God revealed to them that the prophecies had in fact been fulfilled through this baby boy named Jesus who was brought to the temple, the son of the simple Mary and Joseph. The wonder that those two individuals experienced as they had this realization of who this child truly was. To see the words of God ring true before their very own eyes. Step back and imagine what it would have been like to experience and have that realization in your own life. What would you have done with the news? Could you have contained what you have officially learned, what God has revealed to you within you? Or would you have wanted to share it with every single person you knew? Would anyone listen to you? Imagine if you, imagine if you had the news that the Messiah had come to save us. Imagine if that were the case. That was a trick I just played on you. Did you realize it? You have the news that the Messiah has come to save all of humanity. You have that within you right now. Are you excited to share that news? You don't have to imagine. You already know that Jesus has come. God has fulfilled his promises. Jesus lived that perfect life. He showed us God in the flesh, and ultimately he gave his very own life for you and for me and then rose from the grave to offer us a future, to offer us forgiveness and grace and eternal life along with a part of his very own existence, the gift of his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Are you excited about that news? Are you excited to share it with others? Or has the wonder worn off? Again, we pray that through our time together, the inspiration will be there, the wonder will be renewed, and you will be inspired to do just that. Today, we're going to look at maybe the two, probably the most two famous characters in all of the Christmas story, aside from baby Jesus himself, and that would be Mary and Joseph. Two completely average, normal, nothing special about them really at all people. Joseph, a hardworking carpenter who has now sought a bride 
named Mary. Mary, a humble Jewish girl from a modest background who I'm sure is just a little bit anxious about getting married. The two had been making their wedding plans. It was Joseph's responsibility to prove to Mary's family that he could indeed prepare a place for his wife and family to be, to prove to Mary's family that he could take care of her and provide for her. So where does the wonder enter into this average, normal, typical Jewish relationship? Well, both Mary and Joseph would have been raised in these Jewish households, and so both of them likely would have been familiar with the ancient prophecies coming of the coming Messiah. Joseph, after all, was a descendant of the great King David. The words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, say this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Skipping ahead to verse 10, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Do you think Joseph ever considered that he might be a part of God's plan? Honestly, probably not. Did he dream of such things, or was he so far removed from his ancient ancestors and the recorded promises of, the, of God that he never even considered that God might use his part of the family tree? What about Mary? Now, there is speculation that Jewish girls did grow up who, who heard those prophecies of the coming Messiah and dreamed that God would choose them for his purpose. Was Mary like those Jewish girls and maybe captivated by the thought that God could, in fact, use her to help redeem Israel? That from her, God would bring forth the Messiah. Ladies, could you imagine growing up wondering if you would be the chosen one to bear the Messiah. What an honor just the thought of that would be on the flip side. What pressure that could also be. What a dream come true if it happened. But be honest, generation after generation after generation of young ladies have considered this and maybe dreamed these dreams, and it had not come true yet. So why would God choose you? See, the wonder that gives, God gives every one of us, this wonder that we all still have today to dream, it's something that the world is striving to take away from us. And for most adults, the world has been very successful in doing that. As people of God, I want you to think about what would happen if we allowed Him to inspire us and renew that wonder within us once again. What could you become with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding you, filling you, empowering you to do the things of God. Whether they're as simple as serving hot chocolate and cookies to elementary schools, 
as deep as going into the prisons to minister to people incarcerated, traveling across the globe to go and serve at a camp that really is leading children to Christ ultimately. What could God do through you if you allowed his spirit to inspire you once again? What could this church do if we allow the wonder and awe of God to fill this place once again in our midst as we gather? to move us into the community that he wants us to be, the servants of the Most High God that he desires. Imagine what could happen. We've lost that ability. We're too set and well, this is just how it is. Back to Mary. Well, as you know, the story begins in Luke chapter 1, her story of wonder. Ladies, do your best. Imagine being Mary. You're simply betrothed to this man named Joseph who you probably do have an affinity for at this point. Remember, that was more than an engagement. It wasn't something that could easily be called off. Joseph would have had issued a certificate of divorce in order to call off the wedding at this point. You were pretty far along. And then this happens to you. You're at home working around the home just like any other day. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, Luke records what happens next? God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, oh, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. You, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end, Mary. Her response, uh, question, How's that going to happen? <laughs> Since I've never known a man. The angel answered, well, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one to be born will be called the Son of God. Hey, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she was said to be unable to conceive and now she's in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail or for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now this wondrous story starts like every other human encounter with an angel. It's still something that I wonder about. Mary is greeted by this angel and she is terrified, much like the shepherds are shortly later in the story, much like every other person who ever encountered an angel. Our American, our humanistic view of angels and our cute little pictures and things like that obviously are completely, totally inaccurate to describe what an angel truly looks like. The experience of those who actually encountered such things was not a fluffy, rosy, wonderful, delightful experience. Initially, it was always fear of that unknown creature who they're encountering. Mary had to be calmed down and reassured by this messenger of God. And so then Gabriel goes on to reveal some incredible news about Mary as he speaks to her. But before we get to Mary, I want you to consider something else. We never talk about this in the Christmas story because it's not shared with us explicitly in the text. 
But this angel Gabriel had been created by God. It is a created being. And for the last 4,000 years in heaven, the angels have been waiting for the moment that the Messiah, God's son, Jesus, who they all knew personally, would come to this earth somehow, some way, and restore God's relationship with humanity. The angels have seen the human suffering. They've known about the fall of man, and they've known that God has a plan, but they do not know what God's plan is until this moment. Gabriel is chosen by God to take this incredible message to Mary. Up until this point, none of the angels knew what was going to happen. Can you imagine Gabriel's attitude toward Mary as he shares this news with her? This was not a matter of fact, oh, hey, Mary, this is going to happen. This is, hey, all of heaven has been waiting on this day for at least the last 4,000 years, Mary. I'm excited to tell you what's going to happen. I can't believe God chose you. You have no idea how awesome this is, how incredible this is. We see this plan coming together. Look at it, Mary. Have you ever considered the angel's perspective? Probably not. Gabriel tells her, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. As I was studying, I began to wonder exactly what does that phrase, highly favored, mean? So I got to digging a little bit because the angel tells Mary twice of her status before God. The first time, the word that he uses in Greek is charistio. The second time is actually the root of the first word. It's a word you might be more familiar with. We often pronounce it charis, but it's not. It's actually charis which is the word translated grace in our New Testaments. Mary, you have been given God's grace, an extra measure, in fact. You're highly favored before God. Mary, you have been chosen to receive this measure of God's grace. And she asks, but why? But how? Why did God choose Mary? That's a great question. You could do a big, long study on that topic. Let's keep it very simple today. She fit the criteria. She was marrying Joseph, a descendant of David, an absolute requirement of the Messiah. Mary had remained pure, a requirement of the prophecies laid out by the prophet Isaiah. The Messiah's entrance into this world was to be an impossible thing. And there's nothing more impossible than a virgin giving birth. So she fit the criteria. But many, many, many other Jewish women, David had a very long lineage, throughout the centuries, also fit the same criteria. I want you to remember back to God's famous word to the prophet Samuel. As Samuel chose Israel's second king, the king after Saul. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, you'll probably be familiar with this. The Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his outward appearance for his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look, on out, look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God knew Mary's heart. Her response to Gabriel was as genuine as it comes. She was troubled by his words. How can this be? I'm nobody special. I'm just a simple Hebrew girl. Why would God notice me? What have I done? Why did God choose Mary? <laughs> can you hear her humble heart in her response? Who am I? I'm not worthy of being favored by God. I did not earn that status. 
and then it's on to the impossible. Oh, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Just pause there for a minute. Imagine the expression on her face. I- I'm going to do what? <laughs> Hold up just a minute. Um, again, science and technology had not caught up to where it is today during their lifetimes. There were some things they didn't understand about conception, but they did understand the basics. So Mary having a child was physically impossible at that moment. She was pure. God even recognized her for her lifestyle and her highly favored status. So how can this be? Well, welcome the wonder of Christmas. The wonder for Mary as thoughts began rushing through her head. Did she even hear what the angel said to her after that moment? Put yourself in her shoes. Would you have heard anything past that moment? The answer is probably no. I'm going to have a son? mm. Listen to the wonder that followed. Mary probably didn't hear this. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great. Remember, Gabe knows this guy. He, he, they, they've been hanging out in heaven for a long, long time together. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never, ever end. My son's going to do what? He'll be who? His kingdom? How do we know that Mary maybe just maybe missed all of that? Well, her response isn't any of those things, is it? It's, uh, hey, hey, Gabriel, um, how's that going to happen again? I'm just curious. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. And so, yes, Gabriel had to explain, <laughs> okay, exactly how this all was going to happen. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Did Gabriel sense the hesitation in her question? Like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm not sure how this is going to work. Can you explain a little further? A little more detail would be great. Maybe he saw the look on her face and went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I better kind of explain how this all is going to happen to her. See, God knew she was going to have questions. And he gave Gabriel a sufficient response. God had even gave Gabriel an example of, yes, that seems impossible. But remember, God is the God of the impossible. Here is exhibit A. Elizabeth, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, something I've always wondered, did Mary already know that Elizabeth was expecting? I don't think she did. We don't have any reason to believe that she did. It seems to come as a surprise to her. The angel is issuing a statement that probably caught her off guard. Like, Elizabeth, whoa, 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 haven't seen her in a long time, but she's really old. There's no way. She's never been able to have children. How is this even possible? But what did it do was it motivated her to run off and go see for herself. It was impossible that Elizabeth in her old age could be pregnant. There's no way. But if it was true... If I did go and she is expecting, then what the angel told me must be true as well. You see, it wasn't like Elizabeth lived across the street. She lived 80 miles away. And for a teenage girl to travel 80 miles away would not have been an easy task. As she made that trip, imagine the thoughts that went through her head as she considered that God did, in fact, choose her. That final passage from today, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. 
Now, what Mary's words indicate is something huge. It indicates the type of woman that she was. It indicated the thoughts of her mind and, more importantly, her heart. She took this news from God, and instead of questioning it, instead of doubting it, instead of resisting it, because Mary could have rejected this opportunity if she had wanted, I'm sure of it. She had free will like all of us. She instead decided to humble herself and submit herself to the will of her heavenly father. She claimed the status of servant. Now, does that sound familiar to any of us? Does it sound like an example that we've heard before? While you and I are now to be reflectors of Jesus on this earth today, Mary set this example well before Jesus ever came. She portrayed the image of Christ, of the Messiah. On the mere promise of his birth, she surrendered herself to God's will for her life. Paul relates this exact same characteristic of Jesus to us. Just remember, Mary exhibited it first. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who thought he was, who, though he was in the form God, did not consider equality with God anything to be grasped. But he emptied himself. He took on the very form of a servant, being born in likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And, at, and that every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is the image that Mary portrayed in humbling herself and submitting herself to God's will exactly how Christ did in his coming and living and ultimately dying here for each and every one of us. And this was only the beginning of the wonder and the amazement of Mary and Joseph. As you know, Gabriel visited Joseph as well. When all of this happened, even when she arrived with Elizabeth, did she understand? When Simeon came to them, when, when Anna spoke about them, did they understand who this Jesus was going to grow up and become? I said it last week, and I'll say it to you again. I'm going to leave that for you to think about. I'm going to leave that for you to wonder about. As you drive down the road to work by yourself in the car, turn off the radio and begin to ponder and just think and imagine as we're in this season what it would have been like as they wondered if this was true and if it was who this child ultimately would become. It's easy to get lost in that. I challenge you to do that and see how God speaks to you and your spirit through it. Father God, as we are all about to get caught up in the busyness, the chaos that the world creates surrounding Christmas, I pray that we as your sons and daughters, as believers in Jesus, can step out of that mode this season. We can reflect on everything that went into the preparation for that first Christmas. We can reflect on the characters 
all of the players in that original game on that night. The attitudes that they had, the spirit that surrounded them. Father, even the excitement of the angels as Gabriel delivered the news to Mary of how special she was and what was about to happen. Father, may this time of year be a time of year to inspire us to serve and inspire us to place you first in our lives and, and inspire us to love others. Countless Christmas stories and Christmas movies that we watch revolve around that theme of, of someone not having that spirit of love toward others. Father, if that's us, let our hearts be softened and love that person that might be difficult to love, to serve that person in need that maybe we've set aside before. And Father, it's always possible that the Spirit could get a hold of someone in this time of season at any moment and pull them in your direction. And so if there's anyone that has never been caught up in the spirit of Christmas because they don't have the spirit of Christ within them yet, then we pray that this Christmas season will be different. And the first time in their life, they can open that gift that you're freely offering them today. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the gift of your grace and eternal life with you. Don't let this moment pass without accepting that, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray.